Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. Okay, well, here we are. One of my, I already know, favorite guests to come on to Coastal Front. Really good friend of mine. Uh, Yuri Degaya. Uh, Yuri, you are um, the one of the partners of L2B, L2B Global, uh, which consists of uh, two brands in the retail space, in the Bitcoin retail space, which is Bitcoin uh, Reserve, and then your upcoming product, which is going to be Moon Tower. Uh, but more importantly, for my listeners and guests who are listening to the show, uh, Yuri is my co-founder of Honey Badger. And so I'm so happy to have you here again. You've been living overseas now, but you're back in town for a little bit and you came time came in to see us. And there's so much to talk about in the Bitcoin space. I've been waiting to have somebody who knows this space and there's nobody I know in the industry better than yourself that uh, knows about Bitcoin. So thanks for coming on the show. Yep, no worries. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so Yuri, let's start off with the name, Yuri Dagaya. Where did Dagaya come from? How does that name come about? Yeah, well... This is essentially a nickname, and uh, it uh, originated from me not really liking that people misspell uh, or mispronounce uh, my uh, actual real name, which is Yerofeev yeah. uh, in Russian. Um, I come from Russia. So I just decided to assume my uh, nickname for the public, and uh, it's very simple. The prefix de means uh, a place of, of belonging, so I come from someplace, and Gaia stands for the uh, ancient deity of uh, the whole planet. So it actually represents Earth itself. So, so you're Yuri effectively Gaia. Yuri of the Earth. Yes, Yuri the Earth Man. <laughs> the Earth Man. Okay, that's a awesome. global citizen. A global that's citizen. What it is? Well, you are, and uh, you. It's neat because you. Uh, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me telling listeners. Uh, we won't spend a lot of time about your personal life, but you moved here to Vancouver a number of years ago, got into the Bitcoin space, met your wife, Breja, who's from Peru, and you had your, you've had now had your little baby, your son, Mark. Correct. So you've got this uh, Russian-Peruvian boy who was, I think was born here, right? Was he not born he here? He was born here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Canadian, Russian-Peruvian boy. That's so cool. Um, well, look, you're here to talk with us today about Bitcoin. There's a few different topics I want to discuss. I want to talk about the Lightning Network. Um, I'd love to get your insight on what some of the best going wallets are for people who are maybe new to Bitcoin. Um, there's a halving event happening later on this year. Um, I want to talk about business case uses behind Bitcoin and about other cryptocurrencies and anything else in the space. I mean, you, you eat, sleep and breathe this every single day. So you're going to have a better take than anybody else on what's going on in the Bitcoin world. The prices of Bitcoin have been gyrating quite a bit recently with the rest of the assets and the various markets. Um, if we take a look here, currently the price of Bitcoin is uh, just below 9,000 US dollars. It was just a few short weeks ago, it was uh, over 10,300, I think it was 10,300. Yeah. Uh, and it reached, I think, just over 11,000 about what, six months ago or seven months yes, ago? about yeah. that. So it's come down a lot here. Of course, we're in the kind of right now, we're, as we're recording, it's the 27th of February, and we're right in the beginning of what could be a really nasty market with the coronavirus kind of 
taking spread across the world. Uh, so far, it's only Thursday, but the Dow Industrial Index is down over 3,000 points this week alone. Unbelievable. Um, the concern, one of the concerns I see with Bitcoin right now is the fact that it's clearly not demonstrating uh, a, uh, as being a reserve option for fear. Like there's a lot of people who've been saying, oh, you know, it's a digital gold. Right? And, the, and the, typically when there's fear in the market, where do people typically send their money? They send their money to the U.S. currency, to U.S. federal bonds, and to gold. And actually the only place we've been seeing money go right now is into the U.S. dollar, which has been strengthening, and into the, uh, into the U.S. Uh, into U.S. debt, 10-year U.S. bond yields have now reached an all-time new low at 1.25%. So you buy a U.S. government bond today, for the next 10 years, you're going to make 1.25%. Gold prices have been coming down, not up, and Bitcoin has been going down as well. Do you see any correlation, the long lead into that, um, any correlation between Bitcoin and other types of assets out there? Well... In the Bitcoin community, we like to say that Bitcoin is an uh, uncorrelated asset. So it's uh, something very, very new. Uh, it's only 10 years old, so it's uh, difficult to say right now. And there has been uh, various models built by uh, various researchers and uh, fund managers who uh, try to essentially explain previous price uh, movements in Bitcoin and project the future price movements. Uh, one of such models being the uh, stock-to-flow uh, model. So uh, I don't think uh, that long-term it's, cor it's correlated with, the, uh, with a lot of the assets that exist currently, but right now, uh, why not? I mean, uh, it's still a small market, and uh, when uh, people see blood on the streets, for example, in the traditional markets, they usually uh, start going to alternative investments, right? And it can be... Uh, can be uh, real estate or gold but uh, as you mentioned gold has been going down for a little bit now as well although I haven't been following it for you know uh, longer periods of time so I can't really say uh, how it's been performing over uh, uh, a few years for example but uh, as yeah, we it's can been going see up over a few years but the last week it's actually been weakening in the last few days it's not it's not shown the same kind of strength you would normally expect yeah, but at the same time, you know, uh, when uh, we talk about Bitcoin, we normally yeah. talk about uh, a, a longer time horizon for the investment because um, uh, at, uh, something that has been around for 10 years only is very, you know, uh, is very volatile. It's uh, it, because it's uh, so new and the market cap is so small. Obviously, it's very easy to manipulate, right? There's a lot of whales out there who have tons and tons of Bitcoins from the early days. And um, whenever they want, essentially, they can just put those coins on several exchanges and, uh, you know, have a call with each other and dump uh, on the market uh, for various reasons. Some of them take profits. Others, they like to manipulate the market because, you know, that's how they make money. Uh, or uh, others, I would assume, manipulate it for political reasons. And there have been talks about and the Russians or North Koreans or whatnot uh, manipulating the Bitcoin market. So, yeah, we'll we'll see the market strengthen as the liquidity goes up, as it becomes more liquid and more people coming in. And I think the uh, upcoming halving will help with that. Well, that's great. And that's a good introduction into the halving event. We'll talk about that in just two seconds. I, I did see a graph recently 
that I think was Jameson Lopp was the one who published this, and it was um, the uh, volatility of Bitcoin prices on an annual basis, and it's on a percentage basis. So, of course, Bitcoin prices in absolute terms have been moving more than they probably ever have before. They move, they move in, in movements of $1,000 per coin, which, of course, when you and I first started Honey Badger in 2016, $1,000 movement would have been insane because when I bought my first Bitcoin, it was only $600. Under 1000 for yeah. sure. Yeah, and when we started up the company. Um, so a thousand dollar movement from six hundred dollars to sixteen hundred would have been amazing, uh, but today it's not that as bi as big in percentage terms. It's very it's quite low, and in fact, it's it's bit the 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 volatility has been declining. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. So and we, by the way, Ross, why don't we bring up a graph while we're talking here about uh, with the long term uh, Bitcoin um, chart? Because I think it's just quite fascinating to look at. Uh, Bitcoin is often referred to as the honey badger of currencies that's why that's how we put the one of the reasons we put the name honey badger together um for the company and it just keeps coming back it does right <laughs> um let's talk about this having event maybe before we get into the having event itself for the simp for the listeners um who are listening to this and really are not familiar with bitcoin at all can you just maybe in very layman's terms explain how Bitcoin is created in the first place. And one of the aspects to Bitcoin that a lot of people like you and I like is the lack of inflation. So can you talk about that for a minute and then explain how that ties into the halving event? Yeah, sure. Well, if you know anything about how the uh, US dollar or the Canadian dollars are issued, so essentially it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a very obscure process and uh, uh, one never really knows what the amount of the dollars will be tomorrow or next year 10 years from now because uh, essentially they are printed uh, and it doesn't always mean that there is a physical printer that prints all the cash uh, yes there is cash out there but the majority of the dollar uh, in circulation are still digital on the bank computers right so whenever a bank gives a loan it creates more money now with bitcoin it's a little bit different when bitcoin was created and launched in 2009 uh, the issuance rate for bitcoins themselves was baked into the protocol and it is the most uh, important feature of the protocol first of all the amount of bitcoins that can be created is limited at 21 million bitcoins in total so uh, and the second important feature is that bitcoins are issued at a very very predictable rate and uh, that rate is uh, is about 10 every 10 minutes there's a new amount of bitcoins that is issued to the uh, to the market right so uh, in the process of mining and that's what miners do miners are essentially service providers who process transactions uh, on the bitcoin network in exchange for fees at the same time when they package those transactions into a block of transactions and produce that block they also unlock what's called a, a reward a bitcoin reward right which e at the very beginning was 50 bitcoins so every 10 minutes 50 bitcoins were issued uh, in a block reward um, but uh, satoshi nakamoto the creator of bitcoin uh, put this condition in the bitcoin protocol that every roughly every four years 
the amount of Bitcoin issued per 10 minutes halves. So in 2009, it was 50 Bitcoins. Then in 2013, which is the time of the first halving, it was reduced to 25 Bitcoins and then to 12 and a half in 2016. Right, right which is when we started yeah. Honey Badger. I think exactly. it was in the summertime just before we launched the company. That yeah, and it coincided with a pretty significant bull run just a year after that. That's right. Um, but okay, so tw 2016 was the summer, I think, of 2016 that was the last halving event. Uh, yeah, and, and, right and now, now we've got another one coming here. Another, uh, another four not, years. They're not preset dates, right, Yuri? They're more based on the block itself. Yeah, it's I believe two hundred and ten thousand blocks. So after two hundred ten thousand blocks, um, if uh, one block takes around ten minutes, then you can calculate that the whole the whole amount of blocks takes about four years to produce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with this process, essentially, if you're an observer, want to see the future uh, amount of uh, Bitcoins in circulation, it's very easy. You just do the math and you know, okay, how many Bitcoins will there be in 2040, 2015, 60? So uh, you will know that because the protocol is transparent that way. With uh, the last Bitcoin to be mined by around 2140. So um, it is... Uh, it is considered an inflation in terms of that right now these bitcoins are not in circulation, but they come into circulation when miners, you know, unlock them or produce them. However, because we already know the total supply, which is 21 million, it's also not really correct to call it inflation because they are already there. Yeah. All of them already created in the protocol, but not unlocked yet. Yes. Right? I think, uh, Yuri, for those listeners who want to get a parallel to this, it's like a company that issues shares. Yes. You have issued and then outstanding. So there's a, when you're a company, you can issue a million shares, but you might only have 500,000 outstanding with the rest sitting in treasury to be issued at a later point that are not in circulation. It's the same concept for those. Pretty two. much. Yeah. Yeah. So how many Bitcoin are outstanding today out of the 21 million eventually in tw in another 100 years from now? Yeah, I believe it's close to 18 million already. So 18 million. Yeah. So, so the uh, majority, of, majority it. of it is already unlocked and yeah. fewer and fewer will be unlocked as the years come by. But yeah. I believe by 2030, uh, about 99% will be unlocked. Right. So yeah. with, the, with, the, with the last 1% taking 100 years to unlock, basically. Yeah. yeah. Now, Yuri... Um, as you and I both know, there is a lot of Bitcoin that get uh, sacrificed to, I call it the Bitcoin gods every year. Uh, I know, and I'm sure you've got some great stories. I know where I've given up my, I've, we've given up Bitcoin through, uh, through Honey Badger um, and just made mistakes where we've sent it to the wrong wallet or we lost a wallet. <laughs> so, and I'm sure you've had the same experience. Has anybody ever tried to calculate how many Bitcoin effectively dot, like go into, I don't even know what, they, what you would describe that in the Bitcoin world, but go into the Bitcoin moratorium or the cemetery to never be recovered again? Yes, definitely. There have been people who calculated uh, such things. And um, uh, essentially what they do is they do a blockchain analysis. They analyze the blockchain, yeah. uh, the Bitcoin blockchain for uh, movements of coins. Yes. And what they can see is that some addresses, uh, 
because uh, Bitcoin is an open database. You can yeah. download it right now and see absolutely everything, mm -hmm. all the addresses with all the coins. Yeah, you just I don't can know see your your address. You can exactly. see mine. If you know if that you, it belongs to me. But you have to, to know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and then they can basically analyze, okay, these coins haven't moved in five years or six years. And from that, they can conclude that either the guy is really a long-term holder or the coins are lost. Yes. Right? So... Uh, you can't know for sure, but uh, people have made some uh, estimates. estimates. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and is yeah. Uh, here's this is a looks like three to four million Bitcoin of being basically lost forever. Meaning that those are probably ones that have had, they've just not moved. Now, yeah, uh, there's there is a, I believe a I don't know if you call it a a, a myth or a hist. Uh, there's a there's a um, story out there that Satoshi Nakamoto has a million bitcoin of his own is that true well uh we don't know for sure again it's just um you are, can only analyze the blockchain are there any accounts with a million bitcoin no there, there's no what's the there's what's no the largest account. what's the largest bitcoin position in one address i don't really know but it can be about two three hundred thousand coins in one address okay yeah wow. and exchanges like uh, bitfinex and other large exchanges they often consolidate their balances and they can move you know 80, 50,000 coins in one transaction just oh. to consolidate into one address, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So um, you can see, yeah, 168,000. Wow. That's number one. And that 10,000 10, Canadian dollars, that's uh, that's one point, that's 16 billion, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, mm -hmm. you, you need to realize that with time, these, uh, uh, you know, uh, no. these addresses, they go... Yeah. Bitcoins get dis dispersed, right? Yes, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. People sell all the time. And as soon as a whale sells a portion of his coins, then uh, a lot more people gets their hand, get their hands yeah. on coins, right? Is there any estimation on how many users there are out there today, active users of, of that hold Bitcoin? Again, this can be only estimated by analyzing the blockchain. Uh, some try to uh, say that it's about, you know, 30 to 50 million users. But again, uh, some wallet services, for example, they what they did is they counted the amount of uh, wallet signups to their service. But I can I can sign up uh, with ten different emails and just say, okay, this is ten different users, right? Yeah. So uh, that's the beauty of blockchain. It's extremely transparent, yet at the same time, it's super difficult to say what's going on. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about your sort of street level intel? You, you're obviously in this space every single day. Do you, do you feel like there's more and more users adopting Bitcoin despite the... Because it went through that period, as we know, from November of 2017 till January of 2018, where it had that massive spike, went up to like 20,000, almost, almost hit 20,000 US dollars. Yeah. And then the big, there it is there, followed by the, what I called the, uh, the I called it the kind of the, the, the nuclear fall, nuclear summer, where it was like like Chernobyl. Yes. Right? I don't mind seeing me saying so to my Russian friend here. Uh, it was terrible, right? It was, I mean, we were we were worried whether Honey Badger was going to stay in business. Um, and then it's had this nice recovery. Uh, but in your view, are there more and more users adopting Bitcoin every day? I think so. Yeah, mm -hmm. it just makes sense because, you know, even uh, Bitcoin uh, uh, aficionados and promoters like myself uh, work on it tirelessly to just... Uh, uh, spread the gospel of yeah. Bitcoin, right? Why yeah. it's important to have. And uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, a lot more people um, are adopting it uh, for various reasons. 
um, you can see different reports by um, uh, Bitcoin brokerage companies and uh, 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 apps, for example, Cash App just uh, released a report that I think they uh, they, they had uh, some kind of a crazy number of sales just in the first quarter of this year. And uh, last year they had uh, half a billion in sales. But you need to remember that it's a, it's a retail app that sells like $5 worth of coins, right? Yeah. So how many users is that buying Bitcoin if their sales were half a billion? That's amazing. Right? So yeah. it is. Uh, it definitely shows that it's growing. Yeah. Whether it's people playing around and just want to fool around and see what it's like to buy five dollars for Bitcoin, or yeah. it's uh, it's a real serious in, uh, institutional investor. Yeah, um, we we see new names all the time. Yeah, yeah. The Cash App is uh, which is always always being promoted by uh, Joe Rogan on his podcast is actually owned by uh, what's that brand called? The uh, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, Jack Dorsey's yeah. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter and what? But what's the uh, what's the Cash Square. App? Square. Square. That's it. Yeah. Square. Square owns the cash app um let's talk about business case uses for bitcoin when bitcoin first started getting some traction in the media we go back to 2000 and say 2011 2012 13 maybe more like 12 13 there was a lot of talk about it becoming an alternative payments method Mm. to credit card and cash and and visa and checks um, and it doesn't seem to have gotten the kind of, there were a lot of companies that were popping up saying we accept Bitcoin and that seems to have died off. Most, almost any real retailer I go to these days doesn't accept Bitcoin. What are your views on Bitcoin being used as a means of payment today? Yeah, not yet. Um, definitely a lot of people who thought that Bitcoin was in, invented to replace Visa and MasterCard were, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, confused at the time um, and uh, I was uh, one of them maybe in the very beginning but I was I was quickly sold on the idea that Bitcoin is more akin to gold than to uh, Visa right. so Bitcoin is actually a reinvention of money itself it's uh, it's an attempt to create uh, uh, a new sound mm. money uh, or the hardest money ever created as Saifedina Moose likes to say because uh, essentially it imitates gold but it also uh, uh, Super supercharges itself with these advanced features like uh, extreme portability and transportability. You can literally uh, teleport this gold over a communications channel, which, which is pretty much a superpower these days. With the gold being uh, on the opposite side of it, being you know very bulky and s- uh, slow and difficult to store, and um, uh, you need physical security. You know, uh, so even like countries like Russia who are stockpiling gold right now, they are spending, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars just to transport gold, right? Uh, whereas you can send, uh, uh, you know, a million dollars or a, even a billion dollars in a single transaction with Bitcoin just for a few cents or maybe a dollar. Yeah. Like, uh, obviously, the fees are in Satoshis, in, 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 they are denominated in, in the uh, Bitcoin, but... Uh, uh, in terms of uh, dollar values, it's it's about a few cents right now. Yeah. Um, so, I see it as store of value primarily. However, payments uh, are not to be dismissed. Uh, people, uh, some people uh, like not to buy it, but to earn it, and which means that the client uh, has to pay somehow. You know, if I if I wanted to earn it, my client has to pay it to me. Or if I'm a store, then you know, I somehow I have to have a point of sale system and accept Bitcoin. So 
payments is going is getting there which uh, probably leads us to the next uh, topic which is lightning network right yeah because i believe all the payment use cases will be solved on the second layer which runs on top of the main layer so the main layer is the basically the bare bones the protocol itself and then on top of it you build any complicated stuff you want because that is a lot safer than baking payments into the protocol the protocol has to stay extremely simple and extremely uh closed and uh, uh because that guarantees its safety right the fewer attack vectors the better can can bitcoin be hacked not bitcoin itself um if uh, if you've heard of bitcoin being hacked in uh, most cases it were it was exchanges or bitcoin businesses that were hacked yeah. like uh, mount gox and bitfinex and all those other exchanges that were hacked uh, Bitcoin itself has not been hacked, although at some point, I think in 2012, maybe, there was uh, an inflation bug in, bug in Bitcoin that was discovered very, very quickly and patched and everybody upgraded right away. And so, you know, it was not uh, uh, a huge issue, uh, but potentially it was. Uh, an inflation bag, bug means basically that you you can issue as many coins to yourself as possible uh, you know and now you're rich <laughs> yeah. without everybody knowing but it was it was caught uh, quickly and i think at that point people understood that uh, reducing attack vectors on the main on, on the core protocol is uh, uh, one of the most important uh, uh, things to achieve yeah so i think for the average listener to understand that is that with the way how the blockchain works is if you and i do an exchange uh, i'm a um, I'm going to um, sell you my pen and you're going to pay me in Bitcoin. So I have a wallet address. And first of all, people should understand that Bitcoin movement is a, I call it a pushing process, not a pulling process. I can't pull your coins from your wallet. I have to give you my wallet address and then you can push them over to me. Uh, but it's an irreversible movement, right? That's correct. After, yeah. after at least one confirmation, it becomes irreversible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing that people should understand is that those confirmations come and once they've come and they've been layered on behind them, other confirmations for other Bitcoin transactions, reversing this is a virtually impossible uh, operation. Even if you had all the whales in the world and all the strongest computers in the world try to reverse a transaction that happened uh, this morning, there's not enough computing power in the world to be able to reverse that. Is that fair? That's Yeah, that's a fair description. Um, normally... Six confirmations is considered for a final transaction, whereas mm. one confirmation is more or less uh, uh, vulnerable to being reversed uh, if enough power is, uh, you know, collected uh, uh, somehow, orchestrated. Uh, but uh, it, it's very, uh, I think at this point, it's very difficult because uh, mining is, uh, the mining industry is so huge and uh, there's just uh, so much uh, hash power uh, to compete with that it's difficult to pull off. Yeah. Is the largest miner in the world still that, uh, was it Jihan Lin or what's his name? Uh, Jihan Wu of Jihan uh, Wu? Bitmain. Yeah. There have been lots of uh, things going on with Bitmain, you know, um, not probably the um, uh, best company that uh, uh, should be described as an example, Bitcoin company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, although, you know, to their credit, they did invent uh, uh nice uh, equipment at their time and uh, uh, sold a lot of it. So business-wise, they really made it, but then something clicked in their heads and they decided to go astray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
There's also the Bitcoin Jesus. What's his name? Uh, Roger Ver. Yeah. yeah, Roger Vers and V uh, E R S, and and he's really not in the press anymore. I mean, I think he kind of he kind of uh, blew his load in a sense with his conversion of Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash, which he was trying to basically make make it so that it would overtake Bitcoin. But that seems to have been a failed attempt. Yeah, I mean, it seems so. Um, I don't think, um, I think he's still in the press. It's just he has been blocked by most of the Bitcoin community, including myself. So I have no idea what's happening there. It's uh, basically he's in his own echo, little echo chamber, just yeah. <laughs> preaching to the choir. And uh, I never hear about him anymore. Yeah. I haven't blocked him. I, can t- I haven't blocked him. I don't see him anywhere. So <laughs> yeah, even you, you see, you don't even have to block him because, but he's, as far as I understand, he's. Uh, uh, quite active, uh, or if he's not that active, maybe he's planning something else right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, we we don't really care anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah he we, doesn't really have much influence. Anymore. I think he got rid of all his Bitcoin and switched into Bitcoin. And cash. it's good that it happened because yeah. it kind of showed, uh, uh, along with uh, other uh, hostile takeover attempts like uh, yeah. Segwit2x, right, uh, which was more of a corporate attempt to take over the Bitcoin protocol development, uh, that uh, it's uh, it's impossible to do. Uh, the, you know, I don't like talking about the community, but, you know, individuals who comprise the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem uh, just uh, resisted any kind of changes that compromise the protocol development yeah. process. And uh, uh, it's great. I mean, all these uh, all these uh, people and these uh, attempts, they only uh, strengthen Bitcoin. It's called, uh, as uh, Nassim Taleb coined the term, anti-fragility. You attacked an organism. You attack an organism little by little, and uh, by uh, accepting the attack and repelling it, it gets stronger and stronger. Yeah, yeah like, sure. Like breaking your bone little yeah. by little, so it becomes stronger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's what Bitcoin does. Sounds like a classic Russian line, huh? <laughs> We're gonna break your bone just a little bit, like a little, and make it stronger. It's like a, it's KB, KGB training 101, right? <laughs> yeah, it's more of a martial arts thing. <laughs> Well, we're going to jump into uh, Lightning uh, Network, and we can talk about that. But I, I do, I do agree. You know that Yuri, what you're saying. The more time I spend in the world of Bitcoin, there's a lot. It gets a lot of bad press because with any new development, a technology, or something, especially around the world of money, it always attracts criminal activity to start. I mean, I remember when uh, you used to, when when BlackBerry first came out with their uh, two-way pager system. The only people that own those things were drug dealers. Yeah. Right. And now, and then eventually became not now, I mean not not now, but eventually became like the number one communication device of choice for global CEOs of the Fortune 500. Um, so I do think that a lot of times when you watch what criminals are doing, it can give you a good indication of where the market is moving. And and there's been a lot of bad press, but every time, every day, I get more and more involved in this industry. I just see all the upsides that Bitcoin will bring to our society. It's a really uh, liberating um, technology. Yeah, well, uh, my my only comment is that, uh, first of all, uh, criminals are, by nature have to be very uh, innovative and they have to adopt all the latest technologies to essentially circumvent all kinds of laws, right? And they adopt the best ones. So. Uh, as someone said, if only good guys use your technology, your technology is useless, right? <laughs> um, and secondly, um, the U.S. dollar still remains the biggest uh, money laundering tool ever invented, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So it, it's, there, it's right there. 
I heard someone say once that smart criminals don't use Bitcoin because it can't, they use US dollars, can't be traced. Yes. <laughs> hey, let's talk about the Lightning Network. What is the Lightning Network? Uh, how does it work? It sounds pretty cool. Uh, what does it mean? The Lightning Network is a solution to the problem of payments on Bitcoin. So right now, uh, you can still send payments on the main chain and it's not as expensive. You know, it can be from 10 cents to maybe a dollar, depends on the transactions and how they are structured. Uh, however, there is a limit on how many transactions can be sent uh, in a, in a, and included in a Bitcoin block mm -hmm. on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, and, uh, you know, it can be anywhere from four to seven transactions per second, essentially, uh, which is not a lot compared to something like Visa or MasterCard that can process a couple of million transactions per second. So uh, people have been trying to think of a solution to this. And obviously, the postulate is this, that the more centralized the system, the more efficient it is. Right? Uh, Bitcoin is decentralized, so obviously it's not efficient for a lot of transactions. Uh, however, people, uh, smart people, a lot smarter than myself, uh, came up with a solution to this. Uh, essentially, they created a uh, smart contract system, which is uh, which resides on top of the Bitcoin blockchain. However, operates on a, uh, what's called a second layer. So uh, essentially, you uh, lock a certain amount of Bitcoins uh, in a smart contract it's basically a multi-signature wallet but let's call it a smart contract with certain conditions right and while these bitcoins are locked there uh, let's say you lock one bitcoin this one bitcoin can be used uh, an unlimited amount of times on the second layer it can be sent back and forth back and forth uh, before you unlock it and basically redeem it back to your main uh, on-chain wallet right okay so uh, and the speeds are much faster they're instant. Yeah. They're instant. They're instant. Because okay. so, that's been one of the downsides to Bitcoin is the speed at which one can exchange Bitcoin and the computing power behind that to process, uh, to move that is at for a million dollars, it's sufficient yeah. compared to the Swift wire system or a check. But for you and I, to, for me to buy you a coffee with a Bitcoin transaction is slow and cumbersome and costly. The Lightning Network is supposed to address that? Exactly. So it's essentially what we do is you and I establish what's called a lightning channel. Yes. Um, which is uh, either I or you or both of us lock a certain amount of Bitcoins in a multi-signature contract. And uh, when those coins are unlocked, again, they are released to myself and to you, right? But between the locking and the unlocking uh, procedure, there can happen millions of transactions between us let's say you know i paid you for a coffee then you paid me back for a beer and we can we can exchange these bitcoins many 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 times right mm. and uh, at the time that we decide to basically settle on chain uh, the balance uh, the, the very latest balance is uh, what's going to be settled right so if, uh, if in the beginning i had half a bitcoin you put half bitcoin and uh, so it's one bitcoin then maybe at the end i'll get 0.1 Bitcoin, you'll get 0.9, depending on how many transactions, right? And has anybody out there built some technology around this to make it into an, a case use today, like where it can actually be used for commerce, like for... Yeah, well, definitely a lot of people are working right now. The way I see it, Lightning is forming its own ecosystem. Okay. So there are already Lightning-specific conferences out there. 
it's not really? Bitcoin. It's like it's mm. really about Lightning Bitcoin, right? So uh, a few use cases are, for example, BitRefill is a company that allows you to pay for um, uh, gift cards and bill payments with the Lightning Network. Right? Um, another uh, company by Jack Mallers, who is one of the developers of the wallet called uh, Zap, uh, he just uh, actually created a quite a revolutionary thing that uh, you know how some people want to uh, accept Bitcoin payments, but then they convert those Bitcoin payments to fiat and that fiat is deposited into their bank account. Mm -hmm. So what he did is uh, he did the exact reverse. Um, you can accept uh, fiat payments, but they are converted on the fly into Bitcoin and go into your Lightning wallet. Right. So what I do is I pay at your store for a coffee with my um, uh, bank account. Let's say, well, five dollars is drawn from my bank account, but you, as a merchant, you don't receive five dollars. You receive uh, Bitcoin into your Lightning wallet right away. Right. So that's the that's one of the application for merchants who want to start uh, stacking Sats, as the meme goes. Uh, but uh, you know they don't. Uh, but the market for Bitcoin is very small. There's not so many users. Yeah. However, if you can uh, uh, basically open to pretty much anybody who has a bank account, you can still collect Bitcoin because they are converted. Uh, the dollars are converted on the fly into Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So this is a pretty good uh, use case. And uh, other use cases uh, can be, uh, for example, private channels. Private channels is uh, what I just described before is uh, a channel between you and me where we can, we know that we, we are going to transact a lot of times in the future, right? We just lock some Bitcoins in a private channel, we transact and maybe once a year we settle, mm -hmm. right? That's a private use case, extremely uh, uh, privacy focused because no one knows that transactions happen because there's only tra two transactions that happen on chain. On chain, right? gotcha. The locking and the unlocking. Oh, wow, that's yeah. really interesting. Uh, creating okay. the channel and then closing okay. the channel. Wow, that's yeah. that's fascinating that you could have a private channel that doesn't is not part of the um, uh, part of the uh, the larger network. The, the larger network, yeah, yeah. the blockchain. Yeah. Is there anything outside other than like are there other Lightning Network type uh, developments happening in the Bitcoin space today? Uh, definitely, there is a, a technology called sidechain as well. Sidechain, yes, I've heard yes. about this. So sidechains are similar, and some people call them uh, also layer two solutions. Other people call them uh, layer one point five solutions, somewhere in between. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and uh, we at uh, Bitcoin Reserve, for example, we utilize uh, the liquid sidechain. The liquid sidechain was developed by Blockstream, one of the largest Bitcoin companies out there. Uh, so essentially what it does, it's, um, uh, it's, uh, it, it looks like uh, the Bitcoin blockchain, but with slightly modified features. For example, there are no miners there. Um, there are uh, one minute uh, blocks instead of uh, variable uh, blocks like in Bitcoin. Um, and uh, all transactions by default are uh, what's called confidential transactions. Uh, you cannot see the amount uh, uh, and the type of asset that is being transacted. Um, and speaking of assets, you can on uh, the Liquid Network, you can issue assets that represent certain things. Um, you know, definitely opens uh, uh, the Pandora's box for another uh, ICO uh, mania, you know, where you can just issue uh, the worthless tokens. But um, uh, their goal is to 
to direct this uh, movement into issuing securities, right? Because uh, there are a lot of uh, innovative companies that don't want to go through the traditional finance uh, process of issuing securities and doing an IPO. They wanna uh, they wanna issue real stock uh, on the liquid network uh, blockchain. Uh, basically, you know that these are tokens that represent uh, equity in the company, right? So this is already possible. It mm. works. Uh, uh, we are a, a member of the Liquid Network uh, right now, and um, uh, what you can do uh, on the Liquid Network is, uh, let's say you're a trader, you trade large positions, and you want to uh, move uh, Bitcoin from one exchange to another uh, very fast to take advantage of an arbitrage opportunity, right? With the regular Bitcoin transaction, it's it's going to be very uh, painful because uh, you never know if it's going to confirm in 10 minutes or in one hour right maybe maybe mining is slow today and blocks are slow and you're not confirming in 10 minutes right with liquid you are guaranteed to confirm in two minutes because two confirmations is a final transaction okay. and one confirmation <clears throat> takes one minute right right so uh those exchanges that are integrated with liquid uh and support liquid essentially allow you to do that right the second uh, good thing about it is that you know how, um, again, uh, due to blockchain analysis on the Bitcoin network, sometimes people can see large Bitcoin movements from exchange to exchange. And they can kind of guess, okay, this, is, this guy is moving huge amount of coins to Bitfinex. Most likely he's going to sell it, right? Uh, on Liquid, it's impossible to know because all the amounts are uh, hidden. And only the sender and the recipient can see the amounts. That's what confidential transactions are for. Mm. So it essentially prevents front running mm. uh, in trade. Oh yeah. wow! So Liquid is a B two B solution in my view. Although I think they'll try to promote it among our retail clients as well. Yeah. But uh, we see it as uh, <clears throat> um, if it gets really successful, it can become the backbone of the future financial system where things like Swift and SEPA are replaced by liquid network where you know you can you can you can issue tokens that represent canadian dollars and uh um, well bit, on that note did you see the that. canadian government announced that they're going to look at starting to and analyze yeah. the idea of uh, issuing cryptocurrency for yeah. canadian dollars uh, as far <laughs> as i understand their resolution was that we're going to do it when it's too late <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well in my opinion they're all too late because bitcoin was already created in 2009 but of course you yeah. and i've drank the kool-aid um what is a shit coin uh it's anything uh, other than bitcoin <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> we talked about you talked to me you, you highlighted um the token and the ico market so we we do have some uh, other cryptocurrencies as you know that we we buy and sell on honey badger one of them being litecoin and another one being ethereum it sounds to me like your liquid network that you've described is kind of the same solution that Ethereum was supposed to address and where all these other ICOs kind of spun off because they were all, most of them were created off of the Ethereum network. Is that a correct statement? Well, not really. The oh. problem uh, that I have with uh, Ethereum and Litecoin and all the others is that uh, they created their own token out of nothing, right? So, and, uh, you know, it's their, it's their thing and the technology is open source and anybody can create their token. And uh, as the saying goes, if uh, 
you can print money, you will print money. Mm -hmm. uh, so now your job is to hire a marketing team to sell that uh, worthless token to the next pool, basically, and cap capitalize on that, right? Yeah. So, but when the Liquid Network was created, it was created with no token at all. So what you transact with on the Liquid net Network is actually Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Similar to the Lightning Network, it also uh, gets locked uh, in a multi-signature contract and during uh, for the duration of uh, bitcoin uh, being transacted on the lightning on the liquid network it's just it stays locked mm -hmm. as soon as you transfer from liquid back to on chain uh, that bitcoin on the liquid network doesn't exist anymore right mm -hmm. so you transfer it there and then backwards there's no token in the middle uh, to be sold to others and usually you know when uh, when people uh, talk about utility for such tokens they just come up with all kinds of schemes and uh, some of them are i think uh, outright fraudulent while others are blindly fraudulent you know they they truly believe in what they do but because they don't really understand that um uh, uh, the economy uh, usually tends to choose one single money which is normally the hardest and the most sound money mm -hmm. out there right they don't understand that concept that normally that comes from the austrian school of economics and uh, they just say, well, my money is better because it's faster, so it's going to overtake Bitcoin. But it's not going to overtake Bitcoin. Bitcoin has the network effect of 10 years. Uh, it's mining, uh, it's, it's mining industry is so huge right now so that, that uh, you know, uh, nothing can compete with it. You can say that it's wasteful or not. I believe it's not. Um, well, I think a good parallel to that, Yuri, is back in the... Um <clears throat> Pardon me. In the in the '90s, when there was a comparison of the um, the quality of the operating system for Microsoft versus Apple, yeah. and everybody said, "Oh, Apple's going to overtake Microsoft because the operating system is just so much superior. It's simpler. It works better." And that was true, except for the fact that it didn't overtake Microsoft. And the reason was because Bill Gates just got a massive head start over um, Steve Jobs, and it never really did take over. They had to reinvent Apple into becoming a consumer products company because they could never actually um, uh, take over the first mover advantage that Microsoft always had. Yeah, I mean, first mover advantage is very, if, uh, if, if things were created right now, if all these coins were created right now, along with Bitcoin, you know, um, uh, things may, might play out differently, but Bitcoin was created in 2009, the first coin, it was created in the most fair uh, manner possible, you know, by anonymous creator. It was issued to the public mm -hmm. as soon as it was created, uh, with no pre-mines, no uh, nothing like that, right? So yes, the first hundred people who learned about it are now the richest people out there, right? But uh, it's only fair <coughs> because you cannot uh, uh, say that uh, you know you're a fair person. You're gonna airdrop your pre-mined coins. To all the other people out there but yeah. no one's gonna participate in your airdrop you still own half of the supply not more <laughs> and yeah. uh, it just doesn't happen um, it it was probably you know um, a good place uh, at a good time uh, with what Satoshi did uh, you know at the, after the 2008 uh, financial crisis yeah uh, but uh, yeah I don't think it can be repeated anymore so no, no. it cannot yeah. yeah even if you create there are, but the, the thing is, here's here's the way, if you don't mind, Yuri, sure. here's what I think your listeners should should understand as someone who knows Bitcoin not nearly as well as Yuri, but have a good sort of take on this in comparison to the rest of the assets in the world and currencies. 
in the, if we use gold as a comparison, so you have gold, you have Bitcoin, you have silver, you have Ethereum, you have bronze, you have Litecoin. So you can actually have a handful of other cryptocurrencies that other communities might adopt and it exists in perpetuity like Bitcoin and maybe have some relevance. Uh, but we've never, I don't think we, I don't know an, an entire planet's history if silver has ever overtaken gold as the number one spot. Um, there are other metals that are actually worth more than gold by the ounce, but they also haven't taken over because gold is the number one and has been for so many years, the number one sort of choice of alternative assets to fiat currency and equities and real estate up until Bitcoin. Yeah. And, uh, uh, an, an interesting fact about silver is that uh, in many bimetal, uh, uh, bimetallist countries where gold and silver were uh, used at the same time, silver was used for smaller transactions. So, you know, and that that what uh, Charlie Lee did when he marketed uh, Litecoin. Litecoin is the silver to Bitcoin gold. Yeah. He even did the logo and everything in the silver colors, right? <laughs> but uh, uh <clears throat> it was silver was used for smaller transactions because gold is uh, uh, too precious and you cannot really you know uh, uh, shave pieces of gold to pay for a coffee but you could with a silver coin yeah. right uh, however with the introduction of uh, uh, paper certificates gold certificates and banknotes uh, that uh, were backed by gold suddenly you introduced transportability to gold right so suddenly you could uh, have a stack of banknotes that represent uh, uh, minimal amounts of gold and it's transportable. You don't have to shave pieces of gold anymore. And at that point, the uh, significance of silver diminished uh, dramatically. So it kind of, at that point, it became irrelevant as money and gold was the king of money until uh, the Federal Reserve was created and yeah. things uh, went down from there. Yeah, then it became <laughs> the US dollar and still is today, but Bitcoin's a nice alternative. I love yeah. Bitcoin for its disruptive power. I feel that it's, uh, it's, a, great, it's a great sort of uh, check and balance for the governments out there that create fiat currency and for the big banks who tend to become more and more powerful as time goes by. Um, in wrapping this up, Yuri, a couple of things I want to ask you about. <clears throat> Do you have any view on Bitcoin prices? Do you have a, an opinion? Do you get excited when prices go up? Uh, I used to be excited a lot uh, uh, in the beginning, so I lived through two halvings. You know, the first one was uh, very new to me. I didn't even know what a halving was. The second one was uh, I knew what a halving was, but the hype uh, got the better of me. And you know, it's uh, it's a euphoric state, and uh, uh, things are uh, things uh, seem like a paradise to you, right? Uh, just before the crash. <laughs> so right now. Uh, I don't get too excited. I uh, accepted the fact that uh, most likely it's going to keep repeating itself, you know, and the cycle, if you see uh, on charts or just by general knowledge of, of how halving works, the cycle is around four years. So I would know that uh, roughly every four years, the price will go up because the supply will be cut in half. It's not that demand increases uh, uh, by uh, twice as much as supply, the supply uh, gets cut up, right? Which pretty much has the same effect mm -hmm. right, on the price. Um, and it doesn't happen right away. It can take a few months maybe to uh, settle in uh, people's minds. But yeah, 
the price will go up and uh, I have accepted it, internalized it, and now I try to focus more on building, mm -hmm. uh, building products, building solutions, helping people uh, get their hands on Bitcoin. Um, uh, I, I think the most uh, important issue right now is to um, decentralize uh, ownership of Bitcoin a little further. Mm -hmm. Just I agree. Just so we don't have so many uh, manipul manipulative uh, whales out there. Yeah. You know? But you cannot avoid it in a capitalist system. There will be uh, large holders. There will be small holders. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. The Bitcoin industry and cryptocurrency industry has all sorts of symbolism and acronyms and and strange ways of it's almost like a different language you keep referring to whales do you want to quickly explain to people where that whole phrase comes from and there's a there's a whole ecosystem not ecosystem but <clears throat> terminology behind um the the ocean and animals in the ocean and and whales and how it relates to bitcoin yeah i'm not really sure where the word whale came in i know that it means uh, a large holder a mm -hmm. holder of a large and and with Bitcoin going up in price, a large holder bit, uh, will soon become someone who owns one Bitcoin, right? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, uh, it's interesting that the community chose to use uh, uh, these uh, words. I think it, they just continue the tradition of calling uh, uh, calling uh, animal uh, names, you know, such as uh, when the market goes down, it's the bear market, goes up, it's the bull market. So why not, why not use an animal name for yeah. someone who holds amount, uh, a large amount, right? Yeah. Uh, a whale is the whale, yeah. yeah. Um, but definitely, you're right, uh, the, the community comes up with all kinds of memes and yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll leave by them and uh, it's just part of the fun. It's uh, there's, a, there's a word which is H-O-L-D. No, H-L-O-D. H-O-D-L. H-O-D-L. Hoddle. Yeah, hoddle. <laughs> yeah. What does hoddle mean? So hodl uh, is a misspelling of the word uh, hold, uh, which um, in uh, Bitcoin community means that you have to hodl uh, or hold Bitcoin no matter what. When the price goes down, you hold. Uh, when the price goes up, you hold. Essentially, it's the mindset of the Bitcoin holder who will hold no matter what through the years. Yeah. To uh, because uh, uh, does it stand for? Uh, some people say it stands for hold on for dear life. No, it's it's people who came later to Bitcoin and said uh, that. Yeah, yeah. they they try to um, uh, hijack the name, hijack the name, and yeah. maybe uh, give it its own their own meaning. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not. It's just a misspelling of the word yeah. hold. Yeah. You mentioned um, about one of the things that we need to see happen is just a lot more people adopt Bitcoin. So on that note, and to kind of start to wrap this up, let's talk about wallets and Bit because I think one thing that people need to understand the basics of of, of Bitcoin is. You are your own bank when it comes to Bitcoin. Correct. You, there's no, you can't take your Bitcoin to a bank or to some, you, you, you have to have your own wallet to start, right? You can, if I wanted you to give me a Bitcoin, it starts by me having a wallet to accept your Bitcoin on. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, right now, uh, you know, institutions really like to custody their stuff with others. Yeah. <laughs> They're just used to it. And, uh, but companies... isn't there a phrase, not your coins, not... Not Correct. your no, sorry, not your wallet, not your coins. They should be afraid of that, but yeah. you know, uh, Fidelity already offers uh, Bitcoin custody services and uh, with insurance. Have, uh, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So if you were going to go the custody one, you'd go with a name like Fidelity or Coinbase. No, I would personally go with a wallet uh, that I can control myself. Yeah. But no, yeah. if you did go with a custody, if you're an inexperienced user, you don't want to have the risk of losing your coins on your own because you screwed yeah. up. It's a it's a tough decision. Maybe I would do a little more research and go with 
what's called a cooperative or a collaborative custody where mm-hmm. um, essentially you don't custody it fully yourself but you hold just one key and then there's other people who hold other keys so you won't lose bitcoin if you lose your key because there are backups right oh i see other people who hold the keys to the coins and what would if you did want to custody your own coins like you and i probably would uh, what, what would be your re- recommended wallet today? What's an easy one to use on someone's phone? On someone's phone, I recommend Blockstream Green. Uh, it's a okay. great wallet. It supports both uh, Bitcoin on-chain. It supports Liquid as well, so you can switch between the two. Yeah. Um, it's a multi-signature wallet, uh, uh, meaning that uh, not, not, not that you can uh, sh- uh, have other people uh, in your family or company have uh, signatures, but one signature is held by Blockstream, the company, and one by you. So, uh, essentially, if uh, your you know seed uh, or uh, seed phrase gets compromised um, and restored in another uh, wallet or computer, they're not going to be able to move coins. Okay. Only your device can sign the transaction. Okay. Um, How about Samurai? Is that a good one? Samurai is a good one. Yeah, they're innovating in the space of uh, privacy a yeah. lot right now. They're uh, you know uh, implementing things like CoinJoin which is essentially a mixing service that uh, uh, for people who are really afraid of uh, tainted coins, uh, and by tainted I mean coins that are dirty, that come from uh, dark net markets uh, many transactions ago, yeah. you know, somehow linked to them. Uh, uh, some people want to mix those coins with other people's coins and then uh, basically get mixed coins back, which essentially obfuscate uh, and make uh, the uh, blockchain analysis more difficult yeah samurai is a good wallet for sure blockstream yeah. is how about mycelium easier. is that still a good one not anymore okay uh, it's uh yeah it's gone yeah it is <laughs> okay good to know well yuri this has been fantastic i'm glad to see you again i'm glad to know that your family's doing well and um we've got our having when is the having event expected to occur uh in march uh i believe first week of march or second week of march yeah we yeah. have to there's a clock, uh, halving clock or something like that out there. There's yeah. all kinds of tools to track that stuff. Yeah, great. Well, best of luck with uh, Moon Tower, your newly, your soon-to-be-launched uh, new retail product, your Bitcoin Reserve, L2, L2B Global, and everything else you're doing this. I think it's great that we have people like yourself. Oh, one last question on Twitter space. Now, your Twitter handle, you've got a plug for Yuri here. Let's. So this is your, Yuri, this is your uh, Twitter handle. So it's Y underscore d-e-g-a-i-a correct right just name name and family name and you you also have a blog post and that's at your website there yeah i have a blog Uh, it's a personal blog mostly i started with uh, the idea of just uh, putting out my uh, personal thoughts on various topics and uh, uh, recently i uh, i basically came upon an idea of uh, writing about citadels and citadel is just another bitcoin meme uh, a citadel is essentially a chartered or a private city and uh, that's kind of my um, longer term goal is to build a private city right a citadel uh, <laughs> whereas my medium goal is to just to build my businesses that will in turn fund the citadel in the future right <laughs> <laughs> Which is Mark, not a really your son Mark could become the mayor. Uh, yeah, it's it's not about really mayor. It's not going to be a democracy. We're going to be full fledged uh, authoritarian, totalitarian, just like a quality Russian. <laughs> eh? It's all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> 
more well, of a corporate uh, uh, environment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. <laughs> well, Yuri, it's been phenomenal. It's nice seeing you again. I'm so glad you've come in. We're gonna have you in again sometime when we uh, maybe after the having event and talk about Bitcoin some further. Um, thanks for coming in, Yuri. You're a fave. Yuri DeGaio, um, one of my uh, good friends and my founder of Honey Badger, and now the partner at L2B Global. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today, Yuri. Thanks for inviting. Yeah, yeah thanks, buddy.